Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. John was coming to tell these people that there was someone that the seasoned saints would say came through 40 and two generations. Someone who actually is Lord. Someone who actually is holy. Someone who actually is the Son of God. Someone who actually bring a reign of peace and prosperity. John is here to tell you in the book of Revelations about the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Jesus Christ, the one who is and who was and who is to come. Our everything. Our Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, today's message is going to come from the book of Revelation, the first chapter. I'm going to be reading the fourth through the eighth verse. Again, that is Revelation chapter one, verses four through eight. I pray you do not have much trouble finding that one. Uh, Revelation is uh, the last book of the Bible. Um, Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to be reading the New International Version of God's Word. Uh, let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia... Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom of and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again and Delve into your word, Lord God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Allow me to be a sign that points the way to salvation. Uh, let your will be done in our lives, in this word, and in this message. It is in your darling son, Jesus of Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, for the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about Jesus, my everything. Jesus, my everything. Revelation is a uh, 
interesting, mysterious, uh, sometimes even funny uh, book of the Bible. I have a pastor friend that always says, uh, if you ever want to pack a church, uh, if you want to pack it full of pastors, do a study on leadership. And if you want to pack it full of church members, do a study on revelation. Uh, I would submit to you that your mind may change about the book of Revelation after I'm done with uh, this message. Um, but I do want to say that uh, I believe Jesus is coming back someday. Do I think he's coming back like it's portrayed in movies and best-selling books and Bible studies uh, that, that fly off the shelf? No, I do not. I used to believe it was going to be like that. I would buy the entire book series of certain books and, and I would read a whole book in one day. But as I learned to study a little more Bible and a little more uh, church history, I changed my perspective. I have learned that many of the prophecies in the Bible have already happened. I've also learned that other verses in the Bible that people claim to be prophecies were going on right then and there while the author was writing them. Uh, but certain books of the Bible and certain passages of scripture uh, capture my attention and the attention of others because we are fascinated with the thought of the apocalypse. Um, but as I said before, uh, some of these things already happened. A lot of our end time uh, prophecies come from the book of Daniel and, and a lot of what Daniel prophesied happened in 72 AD with the destruction of the temple and the desecration and, and a lot of other things that happened that it, it, over and over again, it already happened. Uh, the word apocalypse is only used once in the book of Revelation. And in many translations, they actually don't say the word apocalypse. Uh, they just say revelation uh, instead of apocalypse. And there are, different kinds of apocalypse. Uh, there's a natural apocalypse. Um, a natural apocalypse is like a natural disaster, a hurricane, uh, a meteor hits, a massive earthquake, a disease that spreads unchecked. But there's also a divine apocalypse where God comes in after people have been acting up and he says enough, makes a judgment and writes all the wrongs that are going on and sets everything back on track. Many times people confuse a natural apocalypse with a divine apocalypse and they blame God uh, and say that God is either punishing us or punishing someone around us with these natural uh, disasters. Uh, but people become fascinated with apocalypse because 
we have a natural fear of something happening that is out of our control and wiping everything out. But the word apocalypse, particularly in the biblical sense, means the unveiling, uncovering, or, or disclosing. Apocalypse means things are being revealed for what they are. The closest thing to it I could give you would be in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth, and everything on it will be laid bare. Laid bare, exposed, uncovered. The book of Revelation is not about the end of the world. This is a book about the revealing of Jesus Christ. Because in the end, Christ wins. It may not look like it now, but in the end, Christ wins. The book of Revelation was written by a pastor named John. That's a that's a. Beautiful name right there. Uh, named John while he was on the island of Patmos for his church. Uh, Revelation is a letter where John tells the people of his church what's going on, what they are doing well, what they need to improve upon, along with what's going to happen in the future. What's going on, what they're doing well, what they need to improve upon, and what is going to happen in the future. John is talking to the churches in Asia Minor, which today is considered modern-day Turkey. Uh, the people in the church are under the oppressive control of the Roman government. Uh, when Rome controlled uh, an area, they controlled the, the politics, the economy, the, the military, and watch this, they controlled the religious practices and imagery of that area. And Caesar, whoever was Caesar at the time, their emperor, would gather the people together and tell them what's going on, what they're doing well, what they need to improve upon, along with what's going to happen in the future. Sounds familiar. When Rome conquered an area, they made everybody in that area submit to them. And they had to submit to the Roman government by saying, these words, Caesar is Lord. One Roman Caesar even had a choir. His name was Domitian. He had a choir that would follow him around while he just went out and about. And the choir would have to sing to Domitian, the Roman Caesar, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. The Roman government also sent out propaganda that said Caesar was the son of God sent to earth to bring about a universal reign of peace and prosperity. 
Another form of worship at this time was to go and light incense to the God that that person worshiped. There were people worshiping multiple gods. So when they would go to the place to light incense in order to make sure they lit the right incense, uh, they, the, the box that it came out of would have a symbol on it or a mark. And they would be marked with a symbol to tell them which God they were lighting the incense to to worship. The Roman Caesars thought that they were gods on earth. So to do business in Rome-controlled areas, you'd have to go offer up incense, which were marked, to Caesar. His incense would be marked with the symbol. Jewish people during that time felt that any human that considered themselves gods were beasts. So to do business in Rome or in a Rome-controlled area meant that you had to light up incense with Caesar's mark on it that the Jewish people thought was a beast. I submit to you that when John was talking about taking or not taking the mark of the beast, he was talking about straight up worship of another God or straight up worship of someone who thought themselves a God. I'm going to push it some even further. Politician worship would get you closer to what John was talking about in Revelation when he mentioned the mark of the beast than any medical shot or any microchip ever would. With all this going on, with people saying Caesar is Lord, people saying Caesar is holy, Caesar is the son of God. Caesar is God. Caesar is here to bring a reign of peace and prosperity and the Roman government seeking to eliminate anybody who disagreed. John was writing to his church. John was coming to tell these people that there was someone that the seasoned saints would say came through 40 and two generations. Someone who actually is Lord. Someone who actually is holy. Someone who actually is the son of God. Someone who actually bring a reign of peace and prosperity. John is here to tell you in the book of Revelations about the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. Jesus Christ the one who is and who was and who is to come our everything, our Jesus Christ, the I am that I am the one who's all in all my everything so Jesus is Jesus is what he is always was or has been in other words Jesus becoming human did not diminish who he always had been. 
Uh, the Gospel According to John, an, another great name book, uh, says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It later on says in verse 14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, but Jesus is. It, 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 the fact that Jesus is is a proper way to explain why we pray to Jesus, why it's okay to pray to Jesus and to pray in his name. You don't pray to a dead person. You don't pray to an image, a stone, or a piece of wood. Jesus told his disciples, I will do whatever you ask in my name. And if in my name you ask me for anything, I'll do it. The gospel according to John 14, 13, and 14. Uh, when the people uh, stoned the first martyr of the church to death, he prayed to Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. In the book of Acts chapter 7, 59 through 60. And, and the canonical prayer, uh, when we pray, we pray what? In Jesus' name. And in Rome, Revelation 20, uh, 2, 20, it says, Amen and come Lord Jesus. Uh, because Jesus is, we also have a legitimate reason to thank and to praise and to worship Jesus. We can, we probably do all these three things for the same reason. His sacrificial love for us, for his suffering and death on the cross, for his exemplary life that he lived on among us, for the timeless truths he taught while he walked on earth, for the intercession that he makes on our behalf before the father and for the promise of his presence in our lives we would do none of these things if it was not for this reality Jesus is yes, yes. but not only is it that Jesus is Jesus was yes. uh, the same Jesus that existed in this space and time now was also a historical reality some 2,000 years ago. He was born to a, a, a young woman living in Nazareth in Galilee. He had a name, Jesus. However, that is an English translation of his name because uh, there were no J's in, in the Hebrew language. Uh, 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 but, but people sometimes will argue that Jesus did not exist because we don't have extensive records of him. Um, we do have Josephus, a, a, a Jewish historian that wrote about him, and Tacitus, a Roman historian and scholar that wrote about him, and, and Pliny the Younger, a, a Roman magistrate that wrote about him. Still, people expect more records than that about him outside of the Bible. The problem with that kind of thinking is that there aren't many records like that about anybody during that time. So we can't expect more because that entire time, there's only so many records about people from that time. But he was. Because if he wasn't, we wouldn't be here today. I said it during Easter sermon, the, the Easter service, and I've said it time and time again. That's a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort to be built on a lie. Yeah. 
We got mega churches and all these kind of things now, but for, the, for about 300 years after the time of Jesus, it was dangerous to be a believer. Nobody would do that for a lie and no benefit, but Jesus was. And not only Jesus is and Jesus was, Jesus is to come. In the end, Jesus will win. Uh, uh, the Greek word for overcome is used more times in Revelation than any other place in the New Testament and for good reason. In those trying times when you felt like the government was against you, when you felt like you couldn't make ends meet, in those trying times when people were persecuting you because of your religion, it was helpful to hear a voice that encouraged the church and encouraged Christians to keep your hands to the plow to keep your eyes on the prize and remember that a time of reckoning was coming at hand to keep putting your foot forward keep pressing on towards the mark of the high calling keep saying good morning because in the end Jesus wins this voice is the voice of the exalted Christ of him who sits on the throne and he calls these churches to remain faithful amid a falling a fallen and idolatrous and sinful world they're perseverance will be rewarded because Jesus Christ is not the only one who was uh, is not only he who is but he who was and who is to come. Christ encourages the church to remain faithful in the time of suffering because Jesus is coming soon. The reason Revelation is at the back of the Bible is because we need to know no matter what is going on right now in the end Jesus will win. He'll be our all in all. He'll be our will in the middle of the wheel. He'll be our joy and sorrow. He'll be our hope for tomorrow. He'll be our doctor in the sick room. He'll be our lawyer in the courtroom. He'll be the one who was and who is and who is to come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for the word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your son's sacrifice. And we thank you for his resurrection. And we thank you that he is coming again. We thank you for being God all by yourself. Lord God, we ask that this word be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest. That those who heard it and those who will hear it later will be blessed and that your Holy Spirit will do a holy work through his holy people in your holy kingdom. And that if there is someone that does not know Christ in the pardon of their sins, they'll reach out and ask, what must I do to become saved? Lord God, we ask that your will be done in our lives and in this world. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.